for the month of August. And few watching online, thank you for joining in with us. Man, we're so excited for you guys to be with us tonight. And I'm sitting down today because I want to have a conversation with you guys. Something a little bit different tonight. Have a little conversation with you guys. And again, this is our first Wednesday service. If you're new with us or you um, just tuning in for the first time, the first, sun, the first Wednesday of each month, we have worship and we do the word. So it's like our regular service. We just do it once a month, the first Wednesday of each month. And then every other Wednesday, we have one-hour prayer here at the church at 630. So you guys are more than welcome to join in with us on prayer and our first Wednesday services as well. But man, we have a great time anytime that we come together. Amen. Amen. So tonight's subject I want to talk to you about. And when you walked in, uh, there was on the table in the back, you saw that there was a handout uh, of an outline that I have for you guys. So you guys can follow along and take notes on that as well. Uh, we have a lot line for you. And if you also have our app, all the notes with it for this will be on our app as well. You could download our app if you have uh, an iPhone or you have an Android. It's available in, in the App Store and the Google Play Store as well. So we got you covered with that. But the, tonight's message or topic that I want to talk to you guys tonight about is the next generation. Y'all say the next generation. next generation. Another way to say it is next gen. If you want to be cool, say next gen. Next gen. All right. So if you hear me say next gen, I'm talking about the next generation. Next generation. And I believe that the success of the church and society as whole of as a whole is found in our next gen. You know, tomorrow's world leaders are found in this generation right now. The next pastors, the next church leaders, uh, the next business leaders, the next politicians, the next presidents, they're all found in this generation. And I know society has labeled them as, oh, this is a hopeless generation. This is a confused generation. This is a fatherless generation. And we could put all these labels on the next gen, but we never say, what can we do to help the next generation? And I believe that it's the church's responsibility to always have a focus on the next generation. Because the early church, they yes, they gathered everyone that was around, but they also had a focus on the next gen. You know, it was two things that made Jesus really upset. One was when they were in the temple selling and trading things everywhere. And the second time what really made him upset is when they tried to push the children away from him. He got really upset when they tried to push the children. He's like, no, no, no. Don't push them away. Bring them to me. Because he knew that, hey, these children are the future to carry the gospel. And churches are dying off because there's no, uh, there's no focus or there's no strategic plan on how are we going to reach the next generation. You know, people my age and younger, I hear them all the time say, I don't go to church because it doesn't relate to me. I don't go to church because they, they don't offer anything for me. And to me, what they're saying is there's no focus on the next generation. And I believe that God wants to tune our hearts to the next generation and say, how can I play my part in bringing the next generation? Because the next generation is the lifeblood of the church. If we want the church to, not, and I'm not just talking about new life, I'm talking about the church in the world. If we want the church to continue, we have to have a focus on the next generation. And this is such a, 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 an important topic that tomorrow and I, we're so passionate about, about the next gen, and we're going to dive into this a little bit further. But the next gen, what they need is a healthy culture, and especially a healthy culture that is created by the church. The world has so many issues and problems, and everyone is looking for everyone else to define what is truth. 
this generation and this society is so confused because they're looking at everyone else to define what is truth. And so you got everybody, well, I believe truth is this. And you say, you know what? I think I kind of agree with that. And so everybody's out here speaking their truth. Everybody's doing what they feel is truth. And now you got a whole bunch of confused people that's doing all types of things because they don't know what truth is. But I believe that when the church does a healthy thing or a healthy, proper way of, of identifying what is culture, and culture is what's normal here, but just a pattern that the next gen can come into and say, you know what, I know I can go to any church and find truth. But the sad reality is that a lot of churches, we don't focus on that. We just worried about what's going on inside our four walls and me and me and no more, Jim, or whatever the saying goes. It's like we just focus on who we have, but we don't want to add anybody else. Never, or nevertheless, think about the next generation. But we have to put a focus on the next gen. But also, this is why the church is so important that when we define culture, that we create environments where everybody is welcome, but it's fun environments. You know, sometimes when I was growing up, People say, I don't want to go to church because church is boring. Some of the most funny stories I have in my life have come from church. The, church is where some funny stuff happens. If you haven't known it, you need to come around a little bit more. But there's some funny things that happen in church. And church is, real, man, some of the best times of my life, the most fun I've ever had is in church. And I know the world says, well, I can't drink and have, without uh, having fun. You don't need to drink. Just drink of the Holy Spirit. You have all the fun you need. But my point is this, is that we have to create atmospheres and cultures where it's fun and it's inviting, where the next generation say, you know what, I can find myself in this place. Amen. We're going to read this, and then we're going to pray. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And I'm reading out of the New Kings James Version. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Holy Spirit, thank you for our time together tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you're opening up our hearts to receive something new today. Bring your presence here in a great, strong way of revelation and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The next gen, the next gen. So why should the church or why should we focus on the next gen? And those are some of the questions. Like, why are we talking about next gen on a Wednesday night? Because it's important. But it's not only important, I want to go down and tell you why it's important. The first thing is why we should focus on the next gen is, number one, is, is teaching. It's teaching. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Do y'all hear about that new dance? Deuteronomy? Get it? Deuteronomy? Y'all, don't worry about it. Y'all get, y'all, y'all get it tomorrow. Deuteronomy. Anyway, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just got it. They just got it. The light bulb just went off. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. But watch out. Be careful to not forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Never forget the day when you stood before the Lord, the God at Mount Sinai, when he told, where he told you, uh, he, I'm sorry, where he told me, summons the people before me, and I will personally instruct them. Then they will learn to fear me as long as they live, and they will teach their children to fear me also. To me, that sure does sound like the next gen. To me, he sure, don't forget what you were taught. Don't forget what you have seen. 
What is that? To me, that sounds like we we need to do some teaching. That sounds like teaching to me. We need to teach the next generation. One of the things that that I hate to see is when I go into different stores and I see little kids, two, three years old, and I see their mother just yelling at them and cursing them out and doing all types of stuff, treating them bad. You know better than that. You know not to come in here acting a fool. It's like, well, do they? Did you teach them? Because we can't have an expectation of our children if we don't teach them. So with my little daughter Camden, I I can't get mad at her for something that I didn't teach her. That's my fault. So I have to make sure what are the things that I've seen, what are the things that I have taught that I'm making sure that I'm passing down to the next generation. So what are the things that we need to teach our, our, our next gen? One we need to teach them is the word is the truth. We need to teach them that the word is the truth. All truth comes from God. And before we can begin, we need to lay, we need to lay a foundation that the truth comes from the word of God. Because, again, culture is trying to dictate what is truth. They, you go to anybody, the culture will tell you this is what truth is when it comes to marriage. This is what truth comes to with your identity. This is, you should, oh, just be whoever you feel like being. Well, I feel like being a dog today. Well, you just go ahead and live your truth and live like a dog. That's what it's going to come to. Because the more that you get away from the truth of the word of God, what you're doing is you open up the door for the enemy to continue to dilute it and bring more confusion. But we have to teach that the word is the truth. The next gen needs to know that how do I find truth? It's in the word of God. I need to run to the word of God, and we need to let that be the foundation for them to know. When I need truth, I need to make sure that the word of God is my foundation where I found truth. Amen? They need to know that, that the word is where I find truth. So how else, what else do we teach them? We teach them to read the word. Not only do we know that the word comes from truth, but we need to read the word. It's like we need them to know that you need a daily discipline of reading the word of God. Daily, you need the word of God. I don't know how I could live my life without reading the word daily. I need the word. And the more we put a discipline on daily Bible reading, get in a reading plan, whatever reading plan you have, and, the, and kids see you model that, then guess what? They're going to be prone to know, I saw my parents do it. I need to do that as well. And when children and the next gen come into our churches and they see us, man, they sure put a high priority on the word in the church. I think I need to do that too. Now they're starting to see, I think the word is important. We need to put an emphasis on reading the word and we need to do that daily. Not only reading the word, but we need to have conversations about the word. Because I don't know if you realize, but there are some things in the word that you might not understand. You might need someone to explain it to you. And I know there, there are conversations where we say, oh, we don't talk about the word of God. Well, don't, don't contra- you, don't, you, don't, you don't question the word because the word is true. Yes, the word is true, but there's some things you just might not understand. And I believe that it's a healthy thing when we create a culture where we can have conversations about the word of God. Sometimes we will shun away from conversation. Oh, I don't know how to answer that question, so I'm going to just change the subject. No, no, we don't change the subject. We say, you know what? I don't know that answer, but guess what? I'm going to find the answer for you, and we're going, to have a, we're going to continue this conversation. But we have to create a culture where it's healthy to have conversations about the Word of God. And there's many forms that you could do that. And I love small group forms. Man, you get in a small group, and you can talk about the Word of God, and questions begin to flow, and you can see something like, oh, I never saw that before. Thank you for bringing it up. What is that? That's conversations about the Word. 
So we have to become masters of having conversations about the Word of God everywhere that we go. So when the next gen's around, they say, oh, they always talking about the Word. You know what happened? They'll start talking about the Word. That'll build a curiosity and a hunger inside of them to say, you know what, I need the Word too. So what we need to do, the first thing is for the next, we need to teach the Word. We need to teach the Word of God. That's what they need. They need teaching. We can't just label them confused and labeling this. No, we need to teach them what is right from wrong. We need to teach them what is truth. We need to teach them the word of God. Amen? Amen. The second thing we need to do is, for our next gen, is we need to be the example. We need to be the example. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. Now, that's a good verse right now coming from the Olympics. Man, people train now for this Olympics. They've been training for five years. They had an extra year to train. And I was watching track and fields the other night, and one guy, he was in the finals. I think it was the 400-meter hurdles or something like that. And right before they got in the blocks, and right before the gun, he false start. This man trained five years worked hard, sacrificed. Now he's in the, in the gold medal race, and guess what? He false start. Now he's disqualified. All that training, now you have to wait another four years and just hope that you make it. There's no guarantee because in four years, you're going to be four years older. There's no guarantee you'll make it again. And all that hard work, because he false start, he jumped too soon, he was so anxious or whatever, disqualified. So that's why our example is so important in that verse. And I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that, I, that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. What does that mean? I need to watch my example. The things that I do are important because after my preaching to my kids, I do something stupid that disqualifies myself. As a pastor, how foolish would it be? I'm teaching you about this. And then y'all, I saw a pastor in the news with a DUI. He up there talking about being disqualified, and he out there drinking and driving. What kind of example is that? But sometimes we run from example because we say, oh, I didn't have an example in my life. I don't know how to be one. Well, that's where you start. You First, you get taught. And then you say, you know what? I'm going to pursue the Lord because I want to be an example. I want to be an example. One of my heroes in the faith, Larry Stockstill, he said this one thing that changed me forever. He said, you know what? All I want to do is just be an example. I don't care about the accolades. I don't care about anything. I just want to be an example. And when you dedicate your life to say, I want to be an example, that's not saying that you're saying I'm trying to be perfect. What you're saying is I want to be an example that as I follow Christ, I want you to follow me and you can implement me because I'm an example worthy of following. All of us, are looked up, all of us look up to someone and the question is who are you looking up to because you're following their example. There's so many cases of young kids looking up to entertainers and athletes and, and rappers and all these different people. Because why? Because they're looking for an example. Because they're saying, I don't know what to do, so I need to look and follow someone that I think is successful because that's the example that I want. Because I don't know what to do for myself. The next gen is crying out for an example, someone to be an example. So what is example? This is our practices. This is what you practice. I have to practice what I'm preaching. I have to practice what I'm preaching. The next gen has to see you live it out what you're preaching. You can't just teach them. You have to live it out. Yeah. 
You can't just say, oh, you need to go to church and pay your tithes and pray to the Lord. You need to do those things too. Are you yourself doing those things? So we have to practice what we preach because they're looking just like your little kids. Your kids watch everything you do. Everything you do, they're watching you. And they're going to say everything you say too. And you say, where you learn that from? From you, mama. Where you think I got it from? Daddy, I heard you say that. That's why I'm saying it too. And it's like, why? Because they're following your practices. Not only your words and your speech, they're following your example. So we have to make sure that, hey, I'm practicing what I'm preaching. And a lot, a lot of times people run from churches because they say, well, church is nothing, full of, nothing but hypocrites. They tell you one thing and they live another way. And that may be true in some cases. But we have to say, you know what? That won't be for me. That's not going to be me. When they, they, they won't talk to me of that way because I'm going to practice what I preach. Also, when our example, not only do we practice what we preach, but we also, we create boundaries. We create boundaries. We set boundaries in our lives so that if we do get off, we know that we're off and we can get back on track of our practice. You know, boundaries are there for your protection. They're not there to hinder you. They're, not, they're there for your protection. And when you establish clear boundaries in your life, you'll know, you know what, I'm a little off. You know what, I, I went two days without reading my Bible. I need to get back on track. When you make a practice of daily Bible reading and something, your attitudes and you, you, get, you find yourself more aggravated quickly and frustrated, you know what, let me go back to, what, have I been reading my word? Have I been praying? Have I been spending time in the presence of God? Oops, I'm out of boundaries. I need to get back in bounds. And when you set clear boundaries in your life, in your example, it's clear to say, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I do have these boundaries in place that help me get back in line. That's why boundaries are so important. We get boundaries to get us back on track. And when you don't lead by example, you're not protecting your home because you're removing the boundaries. You know, kids need boundaries. And when we don't lead by example and we don't set boundaries in the home, guess what? What we're saying is, kids, you do whatever you want to do. And there's no protection there. But if you truly create boundaries, you know, so I don't want to control my kid's life. I'm not saying control your kid's life. What I'm saying is they do need boundaries. When a little five-year-old can run a restaurant, that's a problem. When they could just run all loose in the stores and tear up everything, they, some clear boundaries need to be defined in that household. Is the five-year-old the parents or are you? Sometimes I'm like, man, y'all afraid of the little kid? Just take them in the back and, and apply the rod of education to the seat of higher learning. That'll get them right real quick. But the parents, sometimes they don't put any, I just don't know why my child is so aggravated. Because they go to sleep at 3 in the morning every morning. They need some boundaries. They need a bedtime. I don't know. They just, the teachers say they don't concentrate in class. They just always miss, it's because they're tired. They need to go to sleep. They need some boundaries. And we need boundaries in our life. Amen. Amen. Psalm 16, verse 6. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have delight, a delightful inheritance. The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. What is that? There's pleasant places when there's boundaries. There is an inheritance that you can delight in when boundaries are in place. Whenever there's no boundaries, chaos. Whenever there's no think about when you were in school and you knew the teacher was out and there was a substitute. Oh, we're going to do what we want to do today. No boundaries. It's a free day. 
It's a free day. The teacher not here. They got the substitute. Oh, boundaries. The boundaries are gone. And boy, you have a field day. Why? Because it's, it's not pleasant when boundaries. It's pleasant when boundaries are there because now you don't have to get in trouble. I don't know why they sent me to the office because you were in class acting a fool. Boundaries. Boundaries. Amen. And why do we need boundaries? Because boundaries lead to this. The third thing is fruit. What do the next gen need? They need teaching. We need to put a focus on teaching the next generation. We need to teach them the word. The word is our foundation. We go to the word for all truth. Everything you need to find is in the word of God. You get in your Bible. You get a practice of that daily. They follow our example. I'm just, I'm not just saying things, but I'm practicing what I'm preaching. You can follow my example. You can follow the practices of my life. My boundaries are in place. And if you do those things, you'll get the third thing, which is fruit. The next gen, they need to see fruit. John 15, 16, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father would give you whatever you ask using my name. And what are some of the fruit that the next generation needs to see? Because, again, they may not have the perfect example or the example of, of, of in the home, but they need us in the church to say, you know what, I'm going to take an interest in the next gen, and I'm going to show them fruit, and this is what they need to look for. The one thing that fruit they, the fruit they need to look for is godly character. They need to see God, the fruit of godly character. What is this? This is pursuing integrity. This is living in the light. Funny thing happened to tomorrow and I about, just about two, three weeks ago. We were at Target, and we were in the line checking out. And the way they had the screen, you know, sometimes when you check out, you can see all the, the prices of everything that you check out. Like, so you can see. Well, the way the screen was, you couldn't see anything. So I was... We were checking out, and I was looking at something with Camden, and tomorrow, no, she said, hey, I think, you, I think you, you didn't scan this. And the guy looked, he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't scan it. And he went back, and he scanned it. And so we, we, he, we bagged up everything, and we were walking to the car, and it was something that I got that was on sale, and I was like, I want to make sure that he rung me up for the right price because I know it was on sale. I, and I'm just looking at the receipt, and I'm like, man, I don't see it on here. I'm like, I know it's in the bag. And I looked in the bag. I was like, yeah, it's right here. And then I looked at the receipt like five times. And I was like, okay, do you see this item on here tomorrow? She's like, I don't see it on here. I said, he didn't ring it up. And I said, thank you, Lord, that favor has fallen on my name. I'm just, <laughs> that's not what I said. But I, some people said, the Lord didn't bless me with a, the Lord didn't bless me with a free item. Thank you, Jesus. That's why you pay your tithes, because the Lord will find a way to bless you. No. I said, I have to go back in the store and let them know that they didn't ring this up. Because if I didn't pay for it, whether you want to look at it, that's stealing. And so I walked in the store and I went to service, uh, customer service. And I said, excuse me, ma'am. I was like, hey, I just walked out of the store, but the guy at the register, he didn't ring this item up. I want to come pay for it. And she looked at me. She was like, oh, you didn't have to do that, but thank you for your honesty. What is that? That's godly character. Nobody else would have known but tomorrow and I and God. But I couldn't live with a clear conscience saying that. How can I profess to have godly character and to tell everyone, happened, but I myself am doing underhanded stuff. Living in the light. Godly character. That's an example. Now, I'll probably never meet that girl again, but I guarantee you she'll remember that story. What is that? That's an example. We have to make sure that they see the fruit of our godly character. 
Also, they need to see successful relationships. What is it? This is healthy marriages, healthy families, healthy friendships. All of sometimes you know you have those chaotic friendships where like you and you, oh, this been my boy since we was fifth, but we always arguing. Or this been my girl since we was in third grade, but every time y'all get together, y'all arguing about something. And it's like, no, they need to see the fruit of healthy, because I don't know if you turned on the TV lately, but it's filled with nothing but shows of drama. They got marriage boot camp this. They got island of love this. And come find Bachelor and Bachelorette and, and uh, Big Brother. They got all these shows, Blind Love and all the come find your love in 24 hours, married at first sight. And they got all these shows of examples of horrible Horrible relationships. No wonder so everybody confused because there's no examples of successful relationships. So they need to see fruit of successful relationships because they're not going to find it in the world because the, the world glorifies drama. The more drama, the better. The messier the relationship, ooh, I got to tune in to see what Joe and Susie going to do this week because, boy, last week they got into it, boy. And what is this, the drama? They need to see successful relationships. What are the fruit they also need to see? Financial success. They need to see financial success. Lifestyles of, of being free from debt. We love to put things on that card. I could just pay it later. Boy, I can get six months interest free. And I can pay it off in a little bit. And we laugh because it's true. But we need to make sure that even... They see financial success and that we're doing that. If we do have debt, there's no condemnation for that. But we do say, I do have a plan to get out of it. It's like I am being a great steward over the finances I have. So I want to make sure that, that, that the next gen, that they see us model financial success. Because some of them, they may not know what it is. We have to model financial success. They need to see the fruit of that. Also, they need to see the fruit of freedom. What is freedom? Free from the world's cultures and systems that stimulate fear, perversions, wrong mindsets, and twist the truth. You know, when you get free from what the world thinks, you'll be in a whole lot better place. But as long as you bow on your knee to what the world thinks of, well, I just have to be popular, and to be popular, you have to, you have to live this way. And if I don't think this way like the world, they're going to cancel me. Who are you living for, the Lord or the world? But we have to become free from the world. And I'm not saying that we just become cold and not care what people think about us. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is I don't think like the world. I'm free from the world's beliefs. I'm free from the world's system. And they need to see, the next gen, they need to see that we're living and free from the world system. That I'm not bound to racism. I'm not bound to hatred. I'm not bound to bitterness and offense. I'm not bound to backbiting and gossiping and slander. I don't live like that. I'm free from those things. And they need to see the fruit of someone's lives that's not bound to that. Because they'll be amazed that you, you talk to them and have a conversation, and you're like, oh, so, so you, you, don't, you don't think like that? No, I don't. Oh, I never met anyone that thought like that before. Huh. So you mean, you mean to tell me that you're you waiting to have sex before, until after you get married? Well, why are you doing that? Because that's not what the world thinks. But they don't know because they haven't seen the fruit of that. They need to see our fruit and freedom from the world system. I'm free from minds, those moments. I'm free. You know, some people never get out of a poverty mindset because they never break free from it themselves. They're always scheming to try to get over. 
and they wonder, it's a generational curse. It's like the, the grandparents and the parents, and they keep strickling down. It's just the same way with our society. Things keep happening and repeating themselves because nobody's breaking free from the world's mindset. You can break poverty, poverty off your own family just by changing your own mindset and the way that you view things and stop trying to scheme. But we need to get free from the world system. So what's our takeaways? We're talking about the next gen. We need to teach them. They need to see our example. They need to see the fruits of our lives. So what are our takeaways? You say, well, I'm new to this. How can I affect the next generation? I'm glad you asked. This is how you can affect the next generation. Just bring them along as you grow. Just bring them along. Bring them around you. You say, well, I don't, where do I start? Start by the person, the neighbor next door to you. Start, to, start with the coworker. There's somebody around you that's younger than you that you could pull them under your wing. And you say, you come follow me as I grow. Well, how do I reach the next generation? I don't even know anyone. How do I reach them? Always be open to anyone who wants to know the truth and follow you, but, are, but you have to be intentional about reaching the next generation. I would be intentional about pointing out I'm going to mentor someone that's younger than me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find someone that's younger than me that I can pour my life into. Because I guarantee you, you'll be so much greater. You'll find so much purpose in that relationship just by pouring into them. If you're a man, you say, man, I'm going to teach this young man how to change a tire. You'd be surprised how many young boys don't know how to change a tire or don't know how to change the oil or just simple things like that. But you say, I'm going to take you under my wing and I'm going to show you how to do these things. That's, that's how we reach the next generation. An example of these things is like helping in kids' ministry, spending time with your grandchildren, tutoring young people or mentoring them. If you're a business person, bringing a young woman or man alongside and say, I want to encourage you in that business. I want to show you, you know what, I know you just, you young ladies just getting married. I don't know how to cook. Well, once you come to my house, baby, I'll show you how to cook a few things. All, it's so many different ways that we could go about reaching the next generation. And I feel like when we do that as a whole, society will begin to change because our younger generation is getting cared after. They don't feel left behind. They don't feel like no one cares about me. But they say, you know what? Someone is taking an interest in me. In, in sports, they're, they're veterans and then they're rookies. And veterans usually have two mindsets. The one uh, thought of the veteran is, this young person is trying to take my spot. I don't care about them. They're trying to sp take my spot. I don't want to spend time with them. I don't want to pour into them. I, they don't even exist to me because I'm trying to keep my job. But then there's the other veteran that says, you know what? I need to teach this rook everything I know because I know one day I'm not going to be here. But for the good of the team, I need to pour everything I have into them for the success of the team and not myself. Shouldn't a church be the same way? The church shouldn't be, well, I'm just caring about myself. They're trying to take my spot. Nobody's trying to take your spot. But we have to open up our hearts and say, who can I pour into? When that new young person comes into the church, who can I put my arm around and I can walk with them? How can I mentor them? How can I reach out to them? And this is the part that all of us have to play. So you say, well, I feel like I have nothing to offer. Yes, you do. As long as there was breath in your body, no matter how old you are, you have an opportunity to pour into the next generation. Well, how do I find my purpose in the church? Reach out to the next generation. My heart's cry is that this church will be a church that young people can come in and they can say, you know what? I can find purpose here. 
But even if you're a maturing age, you say, you know what? I could come to this church too because I can find purpose in helping the next generation. So there's always a place for you. You just have to open up your heart and say, you know what? I'm willing to pour out. Because, again, that's what God wants us all to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Another translation says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. It's our example, y'all. What the next gen needs is our example. And I've just made it my life's mission to say, you know what, I'm always going to think about the next generation because I know I'm not going to be here forever. You say, well, you're young. It don't matter. I'm still thinking about the next generation. I'm thinking about my daughter's generation. They, we need to train her up. All these things that we're talking to you about today, tomorrow and I do the same thing with our daughter. When she wakes up every morning, we make a practice. Camden, did you read your Bible today? She, has, she knows. Now when I wake up, I need to read my Bible. What are we doing? We're training the next generation. And it's starting in our home. They need our example. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for who you are and just the next generation. Lord, we just cry out to the next generation right now. Lord, the enemy is trying to assault them with identity issues. He's trying to assault them with a lack of purpose and identity. And I thank you right now, Lord God, that the church will rise up and that we would take our place and that we would go back and reach out to our next generation, that we will begin to mentor them. We will begin to love on them. We will begin to walk with them and let them follow us as we follow Christ. And I thank you right now that the church will be a beacon, a lighthouse where the young generation, the next generation can run in in droves and they can find love. They can find identity. They can find truth. They can find purpose. They can find everything that they need and is found in a man named Jesus. And I thank you that you use us as the hands and feet of Christ to go out and to make an impact in the next generation. I thank you, Lord God, that this church, New Life Church, will be a beacon place, a, a lighthouse where the young people can come in and they can be mentored. They can be loved and fathered and mothered. Lord God, they can find everything that they need because you've equipped us to reach out and have a heart for the next generation. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord God, that this word will resonate in our heart, that this won't just be a word on a Wednesday night in August, but this will be a life's mission. This will be the mantra of our, of, of the focus of our church, Lord God, that we would always have a focus on the next generation. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing and how you're moving in our church and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Man, the next generation. I pray that you're encouraged and blessed by that, that we're always going to have a focus on the next generation. And speaking of the next generation, this Sunday at church at 10 a.m., we're going to pray for teachers, uh, students, uh, church, I'm not church, but school faculty staff, principals, uh, support staff. If you're involved in, uh, in school, we want to pray for you. <laughs> so bring all the children, all the teachers, principals, uh, support staff. We want to pray for you guys here at church at 10 a.m. So join us with that. It's going to be a great time. But, man, we love you guys. Hope you guys have a great uh, week, rest of the week. We'll be right here this Sunday, 10 a.m., as we continue our series on blueprints on building and wisdom. Y'all have a great night. We love you guys.